Today's review on Spatular Extremities is Volume 1 of the Canadian film magazine Cinema Sewer. This review has been rated not safe for work. You have been warned. Hey all, welcome back to Spatular Extremities, and welcome to the review of Volume 1 of Cinema Sewer. You know, I've been waffling about how I was going to do this review, and I kind I made a decision, which is, I'm going to put the audio up on the podcasting platforms, but if you want the full experience, I would recommend watching it on BitChute, because I'm going to put illustrations up on BitChute that you obviously can't see on a podcasting platform. I'll leave a link to the BitChute video in the description for the podcast. So if you're listening to this on iTunes or Google Play and you're curious, you can check that out. Now, just for a bit of my own initial experience when I read through Volume 1 of Cinema Sewer, you know, the first time I read it, it was sort of like the first time I saw Requiem for a Dream. Which is to say, I was struck by how well-made the thing was, and how much talent and work had to go into it, but at the same time, it really ruined my day and depressed me. Cinema Sewer just felt really nihilistic, and in fact, in the first practice recording I made of this episode a few days ago, I said that it was the second most nihilist zine I had read after Jim and Debbie Goad's Answer Me. And while I could be wrong, I do detect a bit of Jim and Debbie Goad in Cinema Sewer. Especially considering that, like Answer Me, Cinema Sewer is made by a married couple and contains a lot of material that's going to shock people. Maybe not everybody, but I think that there is something in here to make just about everyone uncomfortable. Now, for a bit of background, Cinema Sewer is made by a married couple, uh, Robin Bougier, I think it's pronounced, and Rebecca Dart from Vancouver. Both are artists. Uh, Bougier made, am, made sort of independent comics, and Dart was an animator. And I think that this is the first thing that I have covered that is actually still in production. Issue number 31 came out in January of this year, so it's been around for over 20 years. Pretty impressive. And Volume 1 is a collection of works that came out in 2007. So just be aware that I'm not really reviewing individual issues here. I'm reviewing an anthology. Now, what's funny is that the volume gives you an idea of what you're about to get into because it's subtitled... The Adults Only Guide to History's Sickest and Sexiest Movies. But what's really funny is that for all of the bizarre content in Cinema Sewer, uh, Bougier can come off... It's really disarmingly sweet. This, uh, This is the opening piece that he wrote called The Secret History of Cinema Sewer. And it says... 
First off, I'd like to clarify something. My background is not in movie fandom or movie reviewing. I spent my dorky childhood collecting comics and then my teens and early 20s drawing and self-publishing my own works, usually in photocopied mini-comics which saw print runs of 200 copies and weren't readily available outside of whatever shitty town I was living in at the time. This was the early 1990s, just prior to the internet becoming a phenomenon. Remember that? Yeah, I do. It seems so long ago now. I was 17 years old, and the zine revolution was in full swing. <clears throat> Instead of web pages and blogs, all my friends and I had many comics and zines as a creative outlet and means of communication with like-minded kids in other cities, whom we traded with. The community was held together with a review zine glue known as Fact Sheets. Simply owning a copy of, of Fact Sheet 5 meant you were in contact with hundreds of people currently Xeroxing their work. All you had to do was write them. My passion for drawing comics and sending them out into the world for a couple bucks to cover postage and printing was compounded by my sweetheart Rebecca Dart, a prodigal self-taught artist far more talented than most I've met, having an equal passion for this hobby. We had and still have an art desk for two built out of an old door on which we draw together. This pastime is a strong and exhilarating bonding experience that I doubt a lot of couples get to partake in. Drawing with Rebecca is almost as satisfying and as much fun as fucking with Rebecca, and with me being a guy who really loves sex, that's saying a lot. Around 1997, after doing my time collecting beer cans off the street of the or off the side of the highway to make ends meet, I got a little bored with the poverty involved with strictly drawing comics, as did Rebecca with her rapid advancement into the in the anim animation industry, and decided to find a way to incorporate self-publishing into some of my other interests. At the time, I was really getting passionate about trashy old drive-in movies, Hong Kong action films, and the, and the lurid history of classic triple X made in New York. I got my mitts on a few film zines, Joe Bob Briggs, The Joe Bob Report, from Dallas, Mike White's Cahiers du Cinema, Fred Edelman's Critical Condition in New Jersey, uh, let's see, sorry, the late Brian Johnson's They Won't Stay Dead from Greenville, Pennsylvania, and John McLennan's Trash City from the UK, and found that reading about these obscure old movies and the people that were into them could be every bit as interesting as corresponding with comic artists and following their work. And it goes on for a while in that vein about the history of the zines and the history of cinema sewer and it's another one of those really nice personal touches like with Boom and like with a lot of things that I've talked about. Where you get a real glimpse into the obsessive mind that put this together. And then it goes right into two short movie reviews titled 1960s Sexploitation is Sensational. And it covers a movie called Obscene House and a, a movie called Lipstick. And Lipstick is a movie starring Margot and Mariel Hemingway, in which Margot gets raped by some sicko, and then Mariel, who is playing her playing her 12-year-old sister, also gets raped by the sicko, and features the unforgettable line, He wanted to kill me with his cock. 
So you get this really nice bit of ironic deflation where he writes this introduction full of nice things about his wife and his childhood growing up, and then it goes straight into a rape revenge fantasy movie. And by the way, it is worth noting that Cinema Sewer is hand-lettered. And I know that professional artists have devices to make this easier, but that alone is very impressive. And I say this as a lead-in to talk about the very well-made drawings of hardcore pornography. This is a magazine that really covers the fringe of video and cinema, and it takes its job very seriously. So that a, a section entitled Down With Herpes, which is a, a section of short porn reviews from the 80s and 90s, is very helpfully illustrated with some very well done drawings of some rather uh, interesting practices. Some of the fare up for review in this section is or, or includes a 1984 Japanese uh, porn called Tampon Tango, uh, an American one called Anal Birth of Bert, uh, a late 80s UK film Best of Torture and Spanking Anal Show, and uh, Bondage Desire. And if you're watching this right now on BitChute, you can't say I didn't warn you. There is a review of every Faces of Death movie, spin-off, and sequel from 1979 to 1995, uh, illustrated with some drawings and some actual still photos. I'll just read you the, the review from the original Faces of Death in 1979. It says, The first and still one of the best, very clear and extensive narration, although very moralistic in its delivery. Keep in mind that there is very little gross footage and about half of what is there is fake. And just where did they come up with that song playing near the end credits? Gore Quota 2. Later in the volume, there is a whole section on people who committed suicide live on television, starting with Chris Chubbuck on July 15, 1974. You may have thought that it was Bud Dwyer, but it's Chris Chubbuck. When a technical problem interfered with the usually orderly presentation of a news story on Sarasota's, Sarasota, Florida's morning news show, Suncoast Digest, this 30-year-old news anchor looked right into the camera and said, in keeping with, this, with Channel 40's policy of bringing you the latest in blood and guts, and in living color, you are going to see another first, attempted suicide. She then pulled out a 38 and blasted herself in the head. Her upper body immediately slumped forward, pumping blood all over her desk. And if you want to read the rest of that one, uh, have fun. Needless to say, I think that Bougier and Dart have much stronger stomachs than I do. There is a review of a movie called Long Jean Silver, which stars a woman who is missing a foot. And once again, this is illustrated with drawings and actual pictures. There's an article on the bondage and sadomasochism film, The Taming of Rebecca, which the movie actually featured in a nipple piercing with a safety pin within the filming of the movie. 
And there was a serial killer named Steve Pinnell, otherwise known as the Corridor Killer, who, when he was caught in 1989, had this film in his possession. So the review kind of goes in both directions, discussing both the movie and the uh, career of this killer. And once again, there is a very well-made drawing of this nipple piercing with a safety pin. And that's just something I'll let you look up for yourselves if you're curious. I'm not going to put that on the BitChute video. Apart from that, it has a discussion of the video Bum Fights, if you remember that atrocity. It has interviews with a few different porn stars from various eras, including bisexual Britney from the early 2000s, who, it is claimed, started doing porn when she was 18 and still in high school. And what's rather funny about this, uh, this interview is there's a drawing of her getting pounded by Max Hardcore. And Bougier readily admits that he actually made her look better in the drawings than she did in real life. And my question is, does that make her, or does that make him a better or worse artist? There's an interview with Ralph Bakshi who made the movie Fritz the Cat, which was an, an X-rated cartoon. I actually used to have a copy of it. And Bakshi somehow eventually wound up with a children's cartoon. They let him do a version of Mighty Mouse which was pulled from the air when Mighty Mouse sniffed a flower and petals flew up into his nose and he got high. And I still, for the life of me, can't tell you how that was ever allowed to be made. There is a rant on how shitty Blockbuster Video is or was. Is Blockbuster Video still even a thing? But long story short, Blockbuster Video used to move into a town and put all of the good video stores out of business. And then there were a lot of movies you couldn't get. Apparently, you couldn't get Raging Bull or Taxi Driver. And then before they would carry a lot of movies, they would demand that the studio give them edited versions. So you couldn't get a complete movie. Which I guess is sort of like the corporate version of what the UK did with their censorship laws. And the last thing I'm going to talk about, just content-wise... Uh, before I wrap up, this is not going to be as long as I thought it was going to be, is there is a very interesting historical analysis of the movie Deep Throat. Now, Deep Throat came out in 1972, and I thought it came out in 1969 the other day, and I was wrong. So, mea culpa. But it goes into how Deep Throat was made and how it was financed by the New York mob so how the how the people who made deep throat never really made any money from it but then it goes into how linda loveless who is the star of anti-porn feminists in the 80s and 90s and if you don't know linda loveless <clears throat> at the time deep throat was made was married to this very dominating scumbag by the name of Chuck Trainer, And when Linda Loveless eventually got away from Chuck Trainer, she threw her lot in with people like Andrea Dworkin and Catherine McKinnon. And, Kent, and McKinnon and Dworkin were the big anti-porn reactionary crusaders 
and porn, especially for Andrea Dworkin, was like a white whale. It was something that she devoted her entire life to killing, and it eventually made her crazy and killed her, in a strange sort of roundabout way. And what Cinema Sewer does is it gives you a series of photographs illustrating the deep throat of the movie, while giving Dworkin's very lurid and graphic and anatomically incorrect version of what goes on in that act. And much like the rest of Cinema Sewer, it is very well done, very graphic, and very disturbing. And I won't give away the contents of the article, but it tracks Linda Lovelace's career from deep throat up until her death, and how she was kind of a pawn of everybody involved, and how she was just kind of a not very bright submissive who was used by people throughout her life, sometimes with her consent and sometimes seemingly without. And this article is a very good illustration of what Cinema Sewer is. It is an unflinching conversation about very lurid and very unpleasant things in film. And although it uses the format of comics, it is intended, I believe, as an adult conversation. And I really think that a literary theorist could have a field day with how Cinema Sewer deconstructs sort of the highbrow, lowbrow, and middlebrow, and how it treats every subject with the same kind of seriousness, or the same kind of flippancy as it is uh, warranted. The magazine can be very funny, it can be very probing. It deals with every level of video from your mainstream movies, your art house stuff, hardcore porn, educational videos from the 60s, and just all sorts of scraps of cinematic detritus that you find here and there all over the place. And so as far as the review goes, I think that if you're listening to this, you will know if Cinema Sewer is the kind of thing that interests you. It is definitely 100% not for everyone. I know that some people just aren't going to be interested in this kind of thing. Some people are going to be disturbed by the imagery and by the discussions. And I think you also know who you are. So if you're going to read this and you're interested, you know, go into it understanding what you're going to be looking at. As I have been trying to drive home throughout this, Cinema Sewer is very well done very disturbing and very strange. I also find it to be a highly entertaining look at a number of different topics that probably warrant a second look. So, you know, give it a look if you think that this kind of thing is in your wheelhouse. Like I said, if it's not, you probably already know. But that's my review of Cinema Sewer, and you can get individual issues from their website. You can, pro you can get the volumes as well. The volumes are available up on Amazon. I think Amazon carries up to volume 6. I don't know if that is the last collected volume. But as I said, they are still going strong, and you can find them up online. So, anyway... I hope you all have a very happy Friday. That is the Cinema Sewer Volume 1 review. 
I don't normally review stuff that this is that is this graphic, but I just really thought that this one deserved a look. So as always, I will have another review either tomorrow or the day after. Uh, I hope you have a great weekend and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Goodbye.